Chapter 9, What's the Point? One morning, Louis's mother, standing at the top of the cellar stairs, announced visitors. Hey, Louis, we've, we've come to see the sickly donkey. It was Mac, clomping down the stairs, followed by Claudine and Nora. Claudine rushed to Winslow. Ah! Nora stood a few steps back, staring at Winslow. May I touch it? Claudine asked. I could die from its cuteness. Everything about Claudine was soft and elegant. Her voice, her hair, her clothes, even the way she stood was soft and loose. Nora, however, did not appear soft. She looked as if she had crawled out of a shed in dirty jeans and an oversized black coat and rather large black rubber boots. Her hands and feet seemed too big for the rest of her. Nora did not say, ah, when she saw Winslow. She said, ick. She looked around the basement, at the stone walls and concrete floor, at the buckets and hoses and rakes stacked in one corner, at the narrow cot, at Winslow's pile of hay, and then at Winslow. What you got that thing in here for? Are you sure it's a donkey? Doesn't look like a donkey. Looks like a possum goat. Don't mind Nora, Claudine said in her soft, soft voice. That's just the way she talks. Don't mind Claudine, Nora added. That's just the way she talks. Mac lifted Winslow from Louis's arms and studied him. Gaining a little weight since I first saw him, isn't he? Still pretty spindly. Eyes are better, though, brighter. Maybe he's going to make it. Of course he's going to make it, Louis said, even though he was not sure from one day to the next. He felt it would be betraying Winslow, though, if he did not believe Winslow would make it. Little thing like that, Nora said, doesn't seem half alive to me. He's still new, Louis said. He didn't know why he said that. It sounded dumb to him the minute it came out of his mouth. Some newborns struggle to get going. Oh, I know all about that, Nora said. You do? Sure, our brother. Claudine interrupted her. Oh, shush, Nora. Your jabbering is bothering this poor little donkey. He's quivering. I am not jabbering, and I am not bothering that poor possum goat. Nora looked Louis in the eye. Our brother was born two months early. So was I, Louis said. I was a pitiful, scrawny, struggling thing. Nora touched Louis's arm with one finger. But you made it. Oh. It was surprising, Louis thought, how much one simple sentence could affect your opinion of someone. Do you want to hold Winslow? he asked Nora. Nope. What's the point? Claudine nudged her sister. Cut it out, Nora. Don't be mean. I'm not being mean. I don't see the point of holding that thing if it's going to die anyway. Chapter 10. Freeze that scene. One time, in the middle of a summer, a year or two earlier, Louis was walking down the road on his way into town. He stopped near a batch of tall sunflowers blooming beside a white fence. It seemed like a painting to him, those bold golden sunflowers against that white fence, and overhead a pure blue sky with white, white clouds drifting along. Louis wished he could freeze that scene. Then, as he stood there perfectly still, a bird floated down and landed on one stalk. The bird was a deeper blue than the sky. What shade was that? Instantly, the name Indigo Bunting came to his mind. He must have seen a bird by that name in a book, but he couldn't think when or where that might have been. And now the scene appeared even more perfect to him. An indigo bunting atop a golden sunflower beside a white fence beneath a blue sky with drifting white clouds. 
he felt supremely happy standing there. On he went into town to buy bread and milk. Before he reached the store, he passed the small park, and on one bench near the walkway lay a disheveled thin man in a tattered army jacket. He appeared to be asleep. One arm was across his chest, and the other hung low to the ground. The man was unshaven, his hair long and straggly, his clothes filthy. Would I want to freeze this scene, Louis wondered? This scene of the unkempt thin man in a tattered army jacket on the brown wooden bench on the green grass near the gray walkway. As Louis moved on, he thought he didn't have a choice. The scene, for whatever reason, was already frozen in his mind. On his way back home, Louis slid a small brown bag next to the bench. In the bag were two rolls and a candy bar. It was odd, Louis thought now, as he held Winslow trembling in his arms, the smell of milk formula on his face. It was odd that what floated into his mind were both scenes, the indigo bunting atop a golden sunflower beneath a blue sky, and the thin man on a park bench. Winslow's ears brushed against Louis's cheek. This scene, Louis thought, will stay in my mind. Little gray donkey, in my arms, trying to stay alive. Chapter 11. What's a Winslow? One morning when the snow lay deep and white on the ground and the sun shone overhead, Louis wrapped Winslow in a blanket and took him outside, settling on the front porch. Winslow became alert, turning his small head this way and that, eyes blinking against the bright light. He put his narrow face up to Louis's and nibbled at his scarf. Bah, bah, he murmured. Bah, bah, bah. It made Louis laugh. It was the first time the donkey had managed that sound. Up until then, his whimpers had always sounded like, please, please. Do you think you're a lamb, Winslow? Are you going to baa like one? You're supposed to say hee-haw. Winslow <laughs> chomped on Louis's scarf, pulling strands loose. <laughs> Louis was rubbing his face against Winslow's when someone said, hey, Nora was standing on the sidewalk in her large black coat and her clunky black boots. On her head was a bright yellow knitted hat pulled low over her ears. Nora had big black eyes and black hair that poked out beneath the hat at peculiar angles. She looked rather like a bumblebee, Louis thought. <laughs> what are you doing with that thing, Nora asked. <clears throat> what thing? You mean Winslow? What's a Winslow? That's his name, Winslow. He's a donkey and his name is Winslow. The one that's going to die? He's not going to die. Don't be so sure. Nora took a couple of steps towards the porch, tentative steps, as if she expected something to jump out at her, or scold her, or send her away. Want to hold him? No. Why would I want to do that? Because he's really soft. Nah. Be Oh, Nora said, it makes a noise. She had smiled automatically, but then caught herself and removed her smile. Winslow raised his nose in the air, smelling the air around this visitor. Within the blanket, his legs pedaled. He's squiggling, Nora observed. I think he wants to get down on the ground, but I don't know. It might be too cold for him. Nora was now standing at the bottom of the porch steps. You could try it, maybe. You could set him down on this shoveled part and see what happens, maybe, if you want, or not. Louis unwrapped the blanket and set spindly Winslow down. He wobbled, his long legs bending this way and that, until he managed 
to stand upright. Winslow turned towards Nora and took two steps, stopped, tottered, and then stumbled the rest of the way. He leaned against her, nudging her boots, until Nora leaned down and patted Winslow's head. I think he likes you, Louis said. Nah, nah, she patted Winslow again. You think? Nah. Donkeys just do that, I bet, stumble at anybody. Maybe. Well, I gotta go. Here, you better wrap him up again. You know what I bet? What? I bet you could let him run around inside the house. I mean, like upstairs instead of the basement. If you put diapers on him. Louis winced. Diapers? Yeah, I heard about some lady who did that with a lamb, you know. So it doesn't stink up your house and make a mess. Diapers? Yeah, diapers. I gotta go. Louis watched her leave in her big black coat and boots and that bright yellow hat. Chapter 12, Here Comes Trouble. The rumble of Uncle Pete's old blue truck announced his arrival. Uncle Pete was a large man, tall and stout, with mammoth hands and feet. His normal greeting was a booming, Hey there! followed by a pat on the shoulder, but the pat was so forceful it usually knocked Louis off balance. Hey there, Louis! Whoa! Careful there! Don't fall over! You need some meat on those bones, boy! Uncle Pete was a childhood friend of Louis's father, not really an uncle, but that's how Louis's parents had always referred to him. Here comes trouble, Louis's mother said. That's what she usually said when she saw Uncle Pete. Ha ha! That's me! Trouble is my middle name. His cheeks were red from the cold. Wicked out there today. How's that poor donkey doing? Did it croak on you? It was doing good until this morning, Louis said. Come and see. Louis had fed Winslow late the night before, and the two of them had settled down to sleep. Winslow in his small pen, and Louis on the nearby cot. Usually, the donkey woke him up around 4 a.m. for another feeding, but Louis had slept soundly through the night without hearing Winslow. When Louis did wake, it was almost 7 o'clock, and he felt relieved. Now baby Winslow would continue to sleep through the night. For the past week, Louis had been groggy all day long, never feeling fully awake, always feeling as if he could fall asleep sitting up. When he opened the pen, Winslow did not scramble to his feet or turn his head toward Louis as he usually did. He made no sound, no pleases, no bears. He was lying on his side, his breathing shallow. When Louis lifted him, Winslow slumped in his arms, still not waking. Louis rubbed his sides with the blanket and dipped a cool cloth against his face. Oh, Winslow, come on. What's the matter? What's wrong? Louis tried to recall if he had done anything wrong, if he had mixed the formula incorrectly, or if the bottle had not been clean, but he could not think of anything he had done differently the night before. He summoned his parents and ran next door to get Mac's father, who was not a vet, but he knew about animals. Mac's father said, some kind of infection, probably. Need to have a vet check him, get some antibiotics in him. Did I do something wrong, Louis asked. He hugged Winslow to his chest, stroking his head. Newborns are fragile, Mac's father said. They can catch any old thing drifting through the air. It's a wonder any of them make it. Mac's father called a good friend of his, a retired veterinarian who came over right away. After examining Winslow, the vet gave him two shots and left a prescription for additional medicines. It's okay, boy, the vet said to Louis. He might make it, but if he doesn't, you're doing as much as you can. These things happen. You can do everything right. And yet, his unfinished sentence hung in the air. Before leaving, the vet said, 
you'll have to give him one of those shots each day for at least 10 days. What? Who? Me? Louis said. I'll show you how. My grandson can do it, and he's only nine. Give a shot? You want me to give a shot? Watch. He showed Louis how to fill the syringe, check the level, tap it to release air bubbles, insert the needle, and release the medication. Practice on an orange. You'll be fine. But, but, you can do it. By the time Uncle Pete arrived later that day, Winslow was a little more alert. He had taken a few ounces of milk and had opened his eyes. But he still had not stood and was still breathing shallowly. Uncle Pete touched Winslow gently, his huge hand enveloping the the donkey's body. Yep, he said. He's a sick one. Too bad. Kind of amazing you got him to live this long, though. But he's going to make it, Louis said. Well, his mother didn't make it. My LGD died yesterday. That birth must have been harder on her than I thought. But Winslow will make it, Louis insisted. He will. He will. Later that day, Louis remembered that Gus had once told him that LGD meant little gray donkey. Winslow, are you my LGD? And you're going to make it, right? Right?